0: There is no one like the Lord Jesus
1: Christ. Jesus,
0: which means Savior. Christ, the Anointed One. God's Anointed. Messiah Jesus. The Holy One. The apple of God's eye. There's no one like you. You are worthy of all praise. There's nothing compared to you, Jesus. Jesus is the word that became flesh. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will remain. Jesus is forever. It's the same yesterday today amen. and forever amen he's the lover of our soul he's in that chorus again?
1: Oh. Thank you oh.
0: Oh you love
1: God Almighty. What is land What is left? land you, are the melody,
0: into your presence. We can gather here together, together as one, Father, under the banner of an almighty God named Jesus. We can sit at your throne because of the blood of Jesus. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need because of the blood of Jesus. We thank your Holy Spirit that you're in us and through us and you're with us. Have your way tonight. We declare in this room that Jesus is Lord. And there is no other Lord but Him. He's the lover of our soul. He's the master of our life. We thank you for what you did at the cross. The precious blood of Jesus was shed at that cross. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I thank your Holy Spirit to have your way tonight. This is not man's playground. This is not man's domain. This is God's domain. We submit to you, Holy Father. We separate. Holy means to be separate, to be sanctified, to be set apart. He's a holy God. He's worthy of all praise. Our words cannot even... Describe the majesty of who he is. But we thank you anyway, Jesus. We thank you for leaving the 99 and coming after the one. We thank you, Father, that you left heaven. That before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the family that we're in. We are all adopted. We cry out, Abba. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. There's no one like you, Jesus. There's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. Amen Amen Thanks worship team That's awesome Thank you Welcome Thank you so much for coming It's an honour and a privilege always to share the word With you tonight And I want tonight to be a night that we understand and perceive what we have partaken in. Tonight is a night that some will be edified and some will be rebuked. Some will be corrected and some will be exalted. Some will praise and some will curse. But tonight is going to change you. Tonight is the night that we submit all to the Lord. Amen that we know what the word says about us and what our responsibility of the word. Um, we live in the generation. Some call it, my mother-in-law used to call it the plastic generation. <laughs> some call it the IKEA generation. Some call it the two-minute noodle, two noodle generation. If it's not done in two minutes Someone asked me once, how long does it take to do noodles? I said, two minutes. That's what it says on the box. Someone said to me once, it takes me an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes. We live in the generation that wants things today because things can happen today. If your phone doesn't give you, you, you press on Google Earth or Google Maps and it doesn't come up straight away, we're losing it, getting a new phone. We're so used to having things. And in that Process. We've got obviously the technology, and we got we're blessed. We can turn lights on. We don't have to go fill up the generator. We've got water. We turn a tap on. We don't have to walk up a mountain and get. And we're so used to getting get, given everything that we're a bunch of small brats. Someone said to me, "How how do you think the end days are going to go?" Listen, man, just turn the electricity off here, and everyone will go mad in Australia. People will kill each other in Parramatta because we're not used to not having stuff. you go to countries that don't have much, it's not bugging them so much because they're not used to having anything. They don't know any better. So when we're used to having things our way, getting things what we want, and when things don't go to plan, guess what happens? We get upset. It's the devil. Someone's attacking me. Someone's got a curse over me. I'm just trying to be funny, but I'm trying to understand that this is who we are, who we've become. And God's wanting a people that would wait on him. The Bible says, if he who waits on the Lord you will be renewed his strength. Waiting isn't meant, what time is he coming? I was supposed to be here an hour ago. Jesus is supposed to return. Oh. In 2000 years, i will come quickly. But we're a generation of people that's an excited generation because I believe we're the generation to see the Lord return. If it's not my generation, it's my kids' generation. And you have to see what's going on out there. Scripture is quite clear. But whether he comes now or comes when I die, either way, I'm going to see him. Amen? We're going to, make, we're going to see the master face to face. And the Bible says we're going to have to give an account for our life. And no one can ever point the finger at God and say, you never told me. No one's ever going to point the finger at Jesus and says I didn't have the, uh, you know, you didn't give me enough faith or, Enough of anointing or enough of the word, you know, there's no excuse. I want to walk into heaven one day and says, well done, good and faithful servant. See, no one going into heaven perfect, but we're going in mature. Doing everything we possibly can to walk in his grace and mercy on this earth. Amen. We're coming in a time now where things are changing rapidly. Daniel says, in the last days, <clears throat> you'll know it. People were going to and fro. Knowledge will increase. Well, knowledge and information is increasing every five minutes. This phone, this iPad, is already six years old now. I bought it yesterday, but six years old because they've already got the next technology lined up, and we think that we need it. But they're telling us what we need. They're manipulating us, and he, we can't stand before God one day and say, "You didn't give me all the, the you didn't give me all the ammunition to fight." You didn't give me all the the things I needed to fight on this earth. But that's not true because the Bible says that he gave us the great Holy Spirit. Jesus went to the cross, died, rose again, opened up heaven and poured out his spirit. The Bible says in Joel, I'll pour out my spirit in those last days, men and women, young children, older men and we're going to talk about the anointing tonight, the anointing within us. I'm going to explain what the anointing is, if you don't know. And I'm going to knock some sacred cows for people who think they're anointed. Okay, all you Elijah's to come. All you people that been sent from heaven. <laughs> I'm not being smart because <laughs> I was there. When I got saved, I thought, was anyone ever saved? I thought, oh, anyone oh, mate, that's sick. God's using me. Oh, boy, did I get a rude shock. And the zeal of God is awesome. But God has given us the Holy Spirit to teach us, to train us, to guide us. So we're going to talk about the anointing within. I'll touch on the anointing that comes upon a person. I believe there's, I mean, there's probably many more, but I was talking to a rap the other day and he really blessed me. I believe there's an anointing that's in within you. The minute you got the new birth, the minute you're born again, I believe there's anointing that comes upon you by the Holy Spirit to outwork, to minister, to, to live, to fight battles. And I believe there's a corporate anointing when it comes, when people come together. But tonight I'm going to talk about the anointing that's within you and how we quench the anointing, how we pull back the Holy Spirit, how we shut Him out, how we block Him. And you think to yourself, well, how can I block the Holy Spirit? That's God. How can I shut Him out? That's God. How can I put God out? No, no, you don't put him out, you put him out in you. You block him in you. You no longer walk in him. You walk in yourself. And that's what we're going to touch on tonight. Who's ready to go on a journey? Amen? You still love me? Amen. The bucket's over here. Let's go to Exodus chapter 30. I just want to share a little bit. I won't go too long here. If you got it in New King James or New Living, now leave it New Living because because I can't read the New King James on that on this, but it doesn't make sense to English. In, in in Exodus here, we're going to touch on when God said spoke to Moses and said, "I want you to um, uh, make oil to anoint the priests, and that oil would." was going from generation to generation and they would anoint the king with that oil, the priesthood and different positions, um, <clears throat> the prophets and throughout the kingdom of Israel at that time. But it was intriguing because we're talking to talk about the anointing within. What did we always say here? If you're, not, if you're new here, the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. The Old Testament is pointing to Jesus the New Testament reveals Jesus. The Old Testament is the natural. The New Testament is the supernatural in a nutshell. Yeah? So nothing in the Bible is there by mistake. So in Exodus chapter 30 verse 23, this is God speaking to Moses. Now look what he says. This is a new living translation because the other one's too high. Any English teachers here? can teach me how to read Collect choice spices 12 and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a quarter pounds of. Um, huh? That's what I thought. Uh, cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant. Calamus? Is that calamus? All right. I don't know what that is. And 12 and a half pounds of. I don't know. All right. All right. It's measured by the weight of the sanctuary in shekel, also by one gallon of oil. One gallon of oil. So now, God's telling Moses, this is the ingredients and this is how much. You have to weigh them. And specific instructions, yeah? Yeah? Next one. Like a skilled... All right. Now another translation says... <laughs> I didn't... I know that one. All right. Stop it. Another translation says perf, uh, perfumer who makes perfume, who's, uh, who's an expert at mixing herbs and spices to make a nice aroma. And God's saying here to Moses, make sure he's a skilled one and blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. Is there another one or not? No. Go to verse 31. And say to the people of Israel, this holy anointing is reserved for me from generation to generation. Yes, that's Old Testament. We don't. When they used to anoint up, uh, uh, the, the, the priesthood in those days, they didn't just smear a little bit of oil on their, on their head and do a sign of a cross. They would pour it on his head and it would run all the way down his body, down the rope, across his beard, down the rope, all the way to his feet. And he would be soaked in oil and the fragrance of that oil. And he would walk home like that. And people would walk past him and he, they'd smell him coming, why there was a sweet aroma There was an, this man was anointed as the anointed high priest or part of the priesthood are you with me, now he goes this happens from generation to generation next verse it must be used to anoint everyone uh, must never be used to anoint anyone else and you must never make any blend like it for yourself, it is holy and you must treat it as holy Another translation says, this is new living, says, do not make any substitute or do not come up with your own blend. In other words, you can never substitute what God's ordained. You can try, but it's not God. How many people today are trying to substitute God, saying this is the love of God, and they give you all these reasons why this is love, and it's contrary to Scripture. You're trying to substitute the anointing. You're trying to substitute. You know, people think, let's get an atmosphere here so we can have a good presence. No, no, if the anointing doesn't come here today, you don't get healed. You don't get delivered. You don't get set free. We might have a nice meeting, but you know, unless he shows up, the anointed one shows up, we have nothing. So I can conjure up something now, make this happy, do somersaults, the smoke machines, lights, do all the nice music. But that's not the anointing where we, we want to worship. Who knows anointed music? Tonight was anointed. I could sing and not be anointed. It happens. We can preach and not be anointed. Many years ago, I said, Lord, anoint my my words. I'm preaching. Anoint my words. Anoint my words. And one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me, because if you listen to me and preach what I have, it's anointed. I don't need someone to anoint my stuff. If God gives me the words, it's anointed. If God's speaking through me and not Tony, you're getting changed. If Tony's speaking, you're getting entertained someone say amen and it's not meant to be it's gone it's all right. so you're not meant to do a replica even if you make it with the same same quantities of herbs and spices don't do it it's none of your business it's God isn't it interesting that God was specific about oil in the natural how much more is he specific about you in the supernatural If God says, don't touch it, because the next verse, what's the next verse say? Have we got the next verse? Anyone who makes a plan like it or anoints someone other than the priest will be cut off from the community. He was serious. He can't conjure something up. This is God ordained to anoint for the work of the kingdom. Are you with me? Jesus went to the cross, not just a good man, not just a, a prophet, not just a good philosopher. Jesus, the son of God, the sinless son of God, went to the cross and became sin who knew no sin. You can't replicate that. Many have claimed to be God's son. Many have claimed to be from God. But only one that's raised from the dead, his name is Jesus. only one that conquered death is Jesus. You can't replicate that. And here he says, you'll be cut off. And if you have a look in this, in this, in this uh, sequence, can we go to um, verse 33? Is that the one? Okay, next, next verse. Keep reading then. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather the fragments of spices, resin droplets, all that, and using the techniques of the incense, making blends of the spices together and sprinkling them. With salt to produce a pure and holy incense. So God now is getting specific now. This is what I want you to do. But it's interesting when you look at this from that context there, and the oil was 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 considered the to. So when God says anoint them, no one could change that. See, Saul was the anointed king. We spoke of this a few months ago. But he was in so much error, the He was anointed. Even David, when he was the rightful king, when he got anointed, didn't take his position until God said so. And he still treated him as the anointed king because God said so. But the Holy Spirit had left Saul. He didn't even know it. Very sad place to be. Very sad place to be. Some people today in this world have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Christians read the Bible and there's no anointing. It's dead. Why? What have you quenched inside you? What have you what haven't you submitted to the Lordship of Jesus? And we'll talk about that. Amen. And it says here, I think it's verse 31. I think we missed it. Did we get verse 31? 32? 33. Okay, I've got a different here. In the in the New King James it says here. It shall not, the oil, shall not anoint the flesh of man. Nor make anything like it according to its composition. It's not for the flesh. I'm going to share about this today. When I'm anointed by God, you're anointed by God, and you're operating in the spirit, it's an anointing. When you operate in the flesh, you're trying to use the anointing for you in the flesh. And it can't happen. Here he warns them, do not anoint the flesh. Every priest that got anointed, every king that got anointed had his robe on. That speaks of the righteousness of God. You're covered from your shame and guilt. Had to be righteous before God. He would anoint you, not for flesh. And it was, otherwise you'd be cut off. Now, there were specific instructions like we said. And I wrote down here, the holy oil was not for the flesh to be anointed. There's no substitutes. You can't make things up to conjure up the anointing. Within every believer, everyone's anointed in the new birth. Now, what is that anointing inside you? When I speak about anointing, what does that mean? We, we, we perceive that kings get anointed and queens get anointed and different people get anointed. But you know that when Christ went to the cross and he poured out his spirit on Pentecost, and every believer that received him is anointed in the Holy Spirit. You know, your spirit today, if you're a believer and you confess Jesus as Lord, has been regenerated. It's been lit up and it's been anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every believer. That doesn't mean I'm anointed. I go out in the streets and start running around thinking I can do all these things in God. No, no, no. That's a different type of anointing. I'm talking about your resident anointing. The anointing is within you. The anointing is to come to teach you. We're going to read that in John. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said two things. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel or the good news. That's for external work. There's times where I'm preaching or I'm ministering and we're talking and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes and then we move in the Holy Spirit and where the anointing is the one that brings the manifestations of healing, words of knowledge, um, deliverance, salvation. That's not what we're talking about here tonight. We're going to talk about your inner anointing that God's placed on the inside of you one that we're ignoring Amen 1 John chapter 20 please 1 John chapter 20 oh, sorry 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 this is the apostle John in his last days So he's been on the earth he's walked with Jesus Jesus has come died and rose again gone back to heaven, every other the apostles have been killed, and John, and they reckon roughly about 80 years old, he wrote these three books, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. If you want to see some wisdom, of someone who's lived life, under the anointing, it's John. Are you with me? And John says here, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now I'm going to put this in context. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Let's jump down, to 27. Verse 27. But the anointing which is you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as has taught you, you will abide in him. Let me fix this up for you. Just before this verse, he says, Beware of false teachers. Does hear people read that? guess what they do first? I don't need no one to teach me. I have the Holy Spirit now. I don't need a teacher. True? who has heard that? Who said that? Put your hand down. I'll put my hand up. I don't need no one to teach me. That's what the Bible says. But when we read it in context, what was he saying is, be wary of false teachers. Because when you understand the Holy Spirit in you, the anointing, when someone says something, you think, I don't feel right about what he just said. Now you have to discern now, is that me? Because I don't like what he said. Or is it non-scriptural? Tell you a story. The anointing within you. In, in verse 20, can we go back to verse 20 for a second? Here it says, but you have an anointing. In the King James, in the original Greek, it says the anointing, another word for anointing is the unction of the Holy Spirit. Unction. So I looked up unction. I know what it means in my head, but I can't explain it. But it means... To be uh, prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to do, whether to pray, whether to seek Him, whether to search a matter out. It's a prompting. So it's the same word in the New King James. But in the, in, in the King James, or in the original, the anointing says the unction. In other words, I'm walking. I'll give you an example. Someone's speaking to me, talking to me about the Lord, and something's not right. They're saying all the right things, but I get this unction in, in my spirit. And then I keep asking questions and I find out the person's in so much error. In the surface, it looked all right. I remember a story. I'll tell you this story. There was a man named Kevin Connor. Probably never heard of him. He's passed away now. He was a, an Aussie, uh, grew up in Australia. He didn't have any parents. So the Salvation Army raised him. He didn't, he didn't know his parents, never did. And he grew up in this environment in the Salvation Army. And he grew up and he was a believer. He'd serve in the church. But every Sunday... They would preach and teach, and they would say, no illegitimate child will enter the kingdom of God. And he heard that every Sunday throughout his whole life. And he would think about this and say, but I'm illegitimate. I don't know my parents, and yet I serve in the church. I play the band. And he grew up, and they they weren't picking on him. They were just in there where they were in their revelations of God. They were bringing that up all the time. And he grew up to be an 18, 19-year-old man, and then he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Salvation Army used to believe in that. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And when he died, they had more people, the, the biggest funeral in England up until Lady Diana in England. So that man started the Salvation Army and they'll go out in the street and preach the gospel. And they were spirit-filled. But somewhere along the line, enemy gets in and wipes that out. Anyway, he gets spirit-filled. And now he's, got, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So now he's serving in the Salvation Army. And he loved them and they raised him and everything. But he kept having this nagging question that he's illegitimate and he can never enter the kingdom of God. I don't know my father. I don't know my mother. And this nagging question. But now he gets full with the Holy Spirit. But he reads his Bible on that. All of a sudden, one day, he's reading Exodus, the Ten Commandments, and he's reading the verse. And all of a sudden, he reads, those who hate me, I'll curse up to three, gener- three to four generations, those who hate God. And he stopped. He said, I'm cursed. I'm illegitimate. And that unction, that holy, the anointing, inciting, rose up. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, keep reading. And the next verse says, but those who love me, I'll bless you up to a thousand generations. And then he says, do you love me? Because of course I do Lord." He you're blessed up to a thousand generations. You, your children and your children's children. What happened? The unction of the Holy Spirit rose up. The teacher rose up. He'd heard all his life, illegitimate children don't get to heaven. You know, the funny thing is we're all illegitimate until we find Jesus Christ. Religion will tell you one thing. But that unction of the Holy Spirit, what it does, it prompts you. It lifts you. If you're not spending time with him, how do you know it's him? If you don't read the Bible, how do you know what he's saying? You can disagree with me. That's fine. But what are you disagreeing with? Are you disagreeing with me because you don't like what I said? Or is it against the scripture? If it's not in here, you have a right to disagree. You have a right to go back to the Lord with it. But when that unction of the Holy Spirit starts, that's why you can walk, don't walk left, walk right. Go down that street, drive this way. Who's had, a, had, a, had something happen on the inside of you and you thought, oh, I went home early one day and there was an accident or you went home and you found, whatever. You know, that's the way we should walk. The Bible says in the, in the book of Acts that they were making a decision and they all said, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. They didn't do anything without the Holy Spirit's knowledge. That's what we need to get to. And then John here says that the anointing teaches you. It doesn't say you don't need a teacher. It says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know that inside every man there's the Holy Spirit inside you. But don't quench him because then you're dull of hearing. Amen? He says you're a chil- children. Children. See, the anointing is the Holy Spirit inside you. Now it's funny how people say, it was an anointed service, but you carry the anointing. So who comes here Wednesdays or Sundays expecting God to move? Who comes here expecting the Holy Spirit to show up? Who here? Because see, you bring his presence with you. See, we come corporately as a body. We're a bride of Christ. If you come with a critical heart, backstabbing thoughts, bored, had enough, church again, don't expect to receive anything from God. But if you say, I'm here, Lord. What do you want me to hear? What is it that he's saying that I need to hear? What is it that I'm, you know, it could be in the fellowship of one another after after the service. See, we're not here to bring you something only. You're here to participate in what God's doing. We're a family. So the Holy Ghost didn't come to promote a man. The Holy Ghost came to edify Jesus in you. That's his job. Yes, we want to see signs and wonders. Yes, we want to see healings, manifestations. Great. Seen plenty of them. I know brothers in the Lord that went out on mission trips and raised the dead. People died and they prayed for two, three hours. They came back to life. And that same person today doesn't believe in Jesus. Don't tell me miracles make you. All they do is something along the line. Whether it was a fence, whether he got confused, whether he raised the dead. He doesn't believe in Jesus anymore. Don't ignore the Holy Spirit. you. He's your teacher. Amen? The first thing, if you're writing notes, when you receive the anointing, you have to also be responsible for that anointing. So you're responsible for your life. The Bible says that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. The Bible says, you walk in faith. The Bible says, when he says to Peter, devil's asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed that your faith doesn't fail you. He didn't say, I'm going to get him off you because he already beat him at the cross. He's saying now, he's coming after you, but I've prayed that your faith doesn't fail you. Who's doing the work now? He's done the work. It's our responsibility. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? How do we stop the Holy Spirit? How do we ignore the Holy Spirit? There's many different ways. And I've written here, sadly, people quench the anointing within. Even if they're saved, they no longer reflect Christ. They don't protect the anointing within them, and they see their conscience. They were once walking in fresh anointing, but now they become old. You know, your job, my job is to reflect Jesus. It'll never be Jesus. you will never be the Christ. But the one that lives in us reflects Him out of us. See, the Old Testament high priest smelled for fragrance. He was covered in oil. He'd walk and people would know. Moses went in to see the God and he said, I can't show you my face, but I'll show you the backside of me. And he glowed. He was anointed by the glow of God. He had to cover himself because the people couldn't see it. See, our job is to reflect Christ. But see, this is the secret. Can I, can I share a secret with you? When you allow the anointing inside you to get old, disturbed, how do we do that? How do I I let God get old? doesn't make sense, does it? But if I'm anointed by God through the new birth, and all I do is offense all the time, unforgiveness comes my way, persecution comes my way, I'm always angry, and I don't deal with it, but I don't let the Holy Spirit, the teacher, to deal with it inside me. guess what I'm doing. I'm quenching the Holy Spirit inside me and His light does not shine any longer. I'm not quenching Him. I'm quenching the work of God in me. You know that little nudge that you know you're doing something wrong but you do it anyway? You know that, that place where you know I should be not doing this or I know I should be spending more time with the Lord or I know I shouldn't be chasing the desires of this world because there's a little nudge on the inside of you, the, the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's how we quench the Holy Spirit. In Ecclesiastics chapter 10, verse 1, this is interesting. Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. I'm going to read it in the New Living, but it says, the Dead flies putrefy the perfume's anointment and cause it to give off a foul odour. So does the little folly to one respected for wisdom and honour. I read it in the New Living because it's a bit more slang. As dead flies um that's King James here as dead flies cause even a bowl of perfume to stink so little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor the foolishness he's not talking about being silly the foolishness is saying that you' taking your wisdom above God's wisdom and that oil stinks now guess what because dead flies are in it isn't it funny when you go to Luke chapter 11 verse 19 who remembers Jesus casting healing everybody casting out devils what did the Pharisees say? If you cast out... De- he goes, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Remember that they accused him that he's using the spirit of Beelzebub to cast out demons? Remember that? Yeah? Just say yes if you don't know. Just don't know. Jesus was healing people and he was casting out devils and the Pharisees said, you cast them out by Beelzebub." In other words, he goes, hang on. If I cast them out by Beelzebub, how can the kingdom stand? If Satan's casting out Satan then that kingdom cannot withstand. Belzebub, if you look it up, it means the prince of flies or the lord of the flies. Some translations say the, lord, the devil, the prince of, the devil is the prince of flies. Here in Ecclesiastic it says when old oil attracts flies and it makes it stink. Isn't it funny that Jesus was walking in an anointing, beautiful anointing, healing on the Sabbath, healing people, and guess what they said? They accused him of being the lord of the flies. They accused him of being old oil, anointment, old oil with dead flies and you stink. But guess who stunk? Them, not him. Because he's the lord of the flies. He says to him, you are of your father, the devil. Isn't that amazing? Old oil attracts or dead flies are attracted to old oil, which make it stink. Because it's just like you, the, the wisdom of the Pharisees was trying to exceed the wisdom of God. How stupid can you be and still breathe? Well, it's watching. He might heal on the Sabbath. Instead of saying, How did that arm grow out? You're watching him because they're religious, you know? All that time you've spent, look what he's doing. What's he doing? He's healing that guy with a withered arm. He had a withered arm, it's like it grew out. Instead of saying, Wow, he said, It's the Sabbath. It's six days to work. Don't work today. Dumb. They had the flies in their ointment. But I don't want to be like that. I don't ever want to be like that. Where the anointing of God, one day I was excited about God. I came to God. I saw people's lives change. And today I'm pinpointing every fault. I'm, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not doing this. You're not. And I go, what happened to the anointing? What happened to the joy of the Lord? What happened to the presence of God when you walk in a room and people wanted to be around you? Some people are a blessing when they come over. and Some people are a blessing when they leave. Are you that person? <laughs> the anointing can edify you or it can destroy you. It can edify you or it can destroy you. When the anointing comes, guess what? It's no longer man operating. It's God operating through him. It can edify you or it can destroy you. I'll tell you a story. This is a scary story. This is one I learned many years ago. The same guy, Kevin Connor, the one that had the revelation that he's not illegitimate. He's born again. He's been bought at a price. This man grew up to be a theologian. He was a young theologian. And he grew up in the ministry in Australia. He traveled the world. He, this guy did amazing things. He, he became a, a theologian. And he, he taught in Bible uh, colleges around the world in Canada and America. But before he left here, there was a move of God happening here. This is a warning to all of us here. There was a move of God that came from New Zealand. And it was called the Latter-day Revival. And God was moving in His power, just like The early church, there was signs and wonders flowing and things were happening. It was amazing what God was doing. The Holy Spirit was moving. People were getting healed, set free. The gifts of the Spirit in operation. Everything was happening. I was intrigued about this story. And this Kevin was a young minister at the time. But then he started to see something that was a bit off. The leaders started doing things and saying things. They never necessarily preached anything false, but their life outside the preaching was a bit funny. And one particular guy started teaching that he needed daughters in the faith. He didn't have any daughters. And they thought that was cute. And then he'd bring young girls over and him and his wife would mentor them. And then this Kevin Connor went overseas and came back and saw, hang on, this is not right. The unction of the Holy Spirit, the teacher inside said, this guy's healing the sick and raising the dead, but there's something off here. It's not good. So he approached him. Hear my heart here. He approached him. And he said, this is wrong. What are you doing? And the guy Conf- sorry, the guy admitted he was wrong. He was bringing young girls over, and eventually he was having affairs with all of them. This is a man that tonight he was healing the sick; tomorrow he was having affairs. And he said, to him, "This is wrong. Look what, look what, look what this guy said." Raps was freaked me out. He says, "This is true." Raps says it, and I say it all the time. He says to him, "It's correct." And he says, "But." you've got to be careful. I'm your father in the faith and you can't uncover my nakedness because you know what happened to Noah's son he uncovered his nakedness. He says, but I understand what you're saying that I'm doing things wrong. So this young minister said, okay. And then not long after, he traveled back overseas and he was overseas for a couple of years. Came back to Australia guess what? Ministry was gone. The anointing left. And that man's wife left him and that man ended up a homeless man, wretched. Many years later, his Kevin Connor said, Lord, you know, he he asked me to forgive him. And why did it end up like that? And the Lord spoke clearly. He says, Forgiveness without repentance is no forgiveness at all. The man did not repent. He knew he was doing wrong and he twisted scripture. You can't uncover my nakedness. It's true. I'm not here to uncover your nakedness. I'm here to bring clothing of Jesus in your life. But this guy didn't repent. Guess what? the destruction of his ministry, destruction of his family, and he ended up a desolate human being. Because the anointing doesn't protect you from sin, the anointing exposes it. The anointing isn't for your protection. Just because I can do this, and I can do that, and I can do this, and that, does not, I'm no different than you. We are still subject to the Lord of God. We're still subject to the inner man, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That man was trying to anoint his flesh. And say, well, God's anointed us. Look look, look at the people. 10,000 people anoint. Look at the healings. And look where he ended up homeless, desolate, destroyed family, destroyed people. All for what? Deception. Oil. Guess what happened to him? His anointing became old and it was full of flies and it was putrid. You know, the anointing in us is here to protect us. You know that? And you know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You know when you get a conviction in your heart. You know when you hate a message or someone confronts you. You hate it. I hate it. I'm 52 years old. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I'm wrong. We all don't like it, but the Holy Spirit's not there to hurt you. He's there to heal you. Who wants inner healing? Guess what? The teacher inside you is the greatest inner healer. He comes into your spirit. He saturates your soul, and he heals your body but we block him in that process. We don't want to be old oil will flies in it. We want to be a fresh oil emanating the fragrance of God. Amen. Don't this, the, that, those leaders exalted themselves higher than they ought to and they were accountable to no one. And then they twist the scripture. Because that's what the enemy does. He comes to twist scripture and, and, and change your mindset on things and get you to look at things and he get you to magnify the problem but not say, hang on, what about the grace of God there? What about, why is that person doing what they're doing? Lord, show me something. What's the problem here? God doesn't expose you to hurt you. He exposes it to heal you. But If you keep running away from him, he's just like a little baby. The anointing is not for babies. The anointing is for mature. Amen? That's a sad story. The anointing is to minister within you so he can come upon you, so he can work through you. David was anointed king, yeah? He wasn't anointed king because he killed Goliath. He wasn't anointed king when he killed a lion and a bear to protect the sheep. He was a man after God's heart. What was he doing? His dad thought he was a widow. When Samuel came to anoint a king, he goes, oh, the Lord told me there's one of your sons going to king. So he brings out seven sons. Wow, this one's tall. This one's good looking. This one's handsome. This one shaves his leg. No, we won't have him. This one... Uh, Sorry to the ones that shave their legs. In the outward, they look beautiful. This was muscly. This one goes to the gym. This one does 120 kilo reps here. This one this one does um, F45. I, I'm going to start a gym called F5. You warm up and you go home. That's, that's, that's my type of gym. And he comes. He goes, nah, not you. Nah, not you. Nah, not you. Nah, not you. He went through all seven of them. He goes, man, God told me this, this king's in this house, but none of these guys. They all look good outside. They look like they can be king. He goes, you got any more kids? He goes, yeah, I've got a weirdo who looks after sheep in the garden. They're playing harps. Because we use those as a weirdos, you know. Like, I've got one here. <laughs> he goes, him, but he's a bit of a weirdo. You know, he looks after sheep and he sings and writes poetry. He goes, go get him. He comes in because that's the one. You know why? He had a heart after God. You know those psalms he was singing to God by himself with the sheep? You know, when he killed Goliath, guess what? He was an anointed man before God even actually anointed him physically. You know, he killed a bear and a, and, a, and a lion to protect his sheep. He was willing to give his life for sheep. And God saw the heart of a shepherd. He saw this man. So what he did in secret, God promoted him publicly. Guess what he did? Goliath. I come you, you come with swords and, the, and, and loud speech. But I come in the name of the Lord. He takes his head off. What you do in secret, God will promote you publicly. See, you don't get judged about what you do publicly. Because whatever I do here now, God's anointing this. That's what I do when I go home quietly. What do I do in when when no one's watching? What am I thinking when no one's watching? That's where God judges you. This is easy. I'm not saying it's easy because you know I'm tired up here now. Look, I'm breathing hard. I'm doing a lot of work. But what you do in secret, and I don't. Rab says this a million times. He's been working on envy, working on your heart. What's all that? That's the, you know, I often say that, I've got an engineer, a couple of engineers here, so if I get this wrong, don't correct me, all right? I know what I'm talking about. We're standing on a slab here. I don't know if there's a, is there a basement underneath us? What do you got the plans now? All right. I was waiting for someone to say yes. So you got this slab here, right? This is built on a foundation. So there's footings, there's concrete, there's steel. And this is a solid foundation. Our foundation is the finished work of the cross. Jesus Christ came, we put our faith and trust in Him. There's no way to heaven other than Jesus Christ. He shed His blood on the cross, He rose from the dead, He gave me His Spirit. I'll put my faith and trust in Him. Anyone want to argue that? If, that, if your Holy Spirit's saying yes, say, you got the wrong Holy Spirit because you haven't got an But that's the foundation of our faith, yeah? We're anchored in the love of Jesus, grace. But this area here, or, or, this, this pillar here, for example, This pillar here is our inner man. In this pillar, there's concrete, steel, and whatever, Rio. But what's this pillar doing? What's this column doing? Holding up the next level. See, if our inner world isn't strong, built on foundation, the corporate anointing won't come. Don't expect God to move in your life if this is not right. He loves you. He's moved on you. He set you free. But if I don't get this right, guess what? We can't hold off the roof. And this is where God wants to be, corporately. That pillar is your inner man. That is the covering of the anointing. When God moves sovereignly, I used to have Bible studies many years. I was young, and it was Bible studies. And we'd be eight people, and we'd be talking, preaching, playing hands, and God would move, and it's awesome. You we have a cup of tea? I'd tell 10 jokes. No one would laugh. And I said, let's go home now. We're walking out. The anointing would show up. People were going, bye bye. Start manifesting at the front door. One night, this lady screamed the whole street. Door. I thought i going to ring the cops. They're killing this lady next door, man. The door was open. She was going home, and the anointing fell. What happened? Rabbis happened to rebs. Rebs. He was telling me the story. He was half asleep and something. He was talking to someone. All of a sudden, the anointing showed up. So you got to go with the anointing. That's a corp. That's the the external anointing that comes upon you for ministry. But if my inner wall is not right, I can't hold it up. When God starts to move, guess what? Weird and wonderful things happen. When God starts to move through us in this world, in this here. But God's not interested in moving and, and saving the whole world when your world is corrupted. When we have oil with flies in it and we stink. Now you might not be sinning by any chance. Please don't misunderstand me. But I've, i someone said to me, You've been growing in the Lord, Tony, and you know you're doing this. I've been 20 years this September following Christ, serving Christ. 20 years. They said I'll never make it. I said I was having a nervous breakdown. I said, you'll get over it soon. A long break, a long nervous breakdown. But can I tell you, in 20 years, I haven't got. How can I say this? The anointing in me has taught me the word, yes. Has allowed me to minister, yes. God's given me responsibility, yes. But the anointing in me has helped me forgive quicker. I don't want to talk about that. Or let go of offense quicker. Or, you know, not take anything to heart and get rid of it quicker. Or bless my enemies quicker. Or the little things that we don't want because we got a right. You know, you know, people in the natural, people in the natural go to court. There was a court case I remember I was involved in. And what happened was the people that were involved in it, and I was involved in it externally, were in the right. But then the name was getting dragged through the mud. And all the accusations, so they went to court. And they came and they did all the pleading and that. And they turned around and the solicitor said, listen, we're going to win this case. It's going to take one year, and it's going to cost you 250,000. Let's make them 100 grand offer i tell them to go home. No, I'm innocent, because I know. But they're going to drag your name through the mud, you're going to go through all that pain, and you'll probably win. It's going to cost you 250,000. They made an offer of 100,000, and they took it. Case closed. If, in the natural, they're willing to do that, to save 150,000, and save their name, How much more us to save the anointing on the inside? We wouldn't let go of offense. Just let it go and bless them. Why do we hold on to it? I want to sacrifice the glory of God for my story. I want to let go of my story so the glory of God stays in me. Hallelujah. That's enough. Just Let's go home now. Let's go home now. But the teacher will teach you how to forgive. Because sometimes it's not easy. And every situation is different, don't get me wrong. Grief gets in and and unforgiveness gets, but listen to me, people get messed up with the smallest things. If I said a vegan joke now, would you get upset? I love vegans, all right, don't don't, don't get me wrong. What about vegetarians? They don't want to eat Chinese food, no way, I can't forgive you. Joking. But what I'm saying is, we are such a sensitive generation. And we get affected. All right, if someone does something wrong to you, you have a right to stand up for yourself. But you know what? The quicker you let go of it, there's mental institutions full of people with unforgiveness. There's people that are bitter 40 years later after something happened and destroyed their whole family with their bitterness. Why would you do that and allow the anointing to be dead and pick up dead flies? So you can stink? It's a sad place to be. I'm not having to go guy that's going through something. I'm just trying to make you a point that the Holy Spirit in you is the great teacher. He's the one that lifts you up. He's the one that puts your soul and covers you with his mercy and grace. He's the one that's going to be, he's the one that he flows through you. Because the Bible says, without the anointing, you have nothing. Jesus Christ, the man, was an awesome man. But until he got anointed, he was just a man. Oh, I've upset all the theologians now. Yes. He had the nature of God and he saw him. Yes, he was born of a virgin. Yes, he came from heaven. But did he do one miracle before he was anointed? Did he do anything that God, the Father asked him? No. But when he got baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says Jesus of Nazareth, who was anointed by God and full of the Holy Spirit and went about doing good, healing those oppressed of the devil. He said, if Jesus himself had to be anointed, how much more of us? Come on, man. Come on, man. He was a man, lived a holy life, a sinless life, but he never did. He could never fulfill the, the finished work of the cross until he was anointed. He was Jesus of Nazareth, and he became Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. And he said, You know what? I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to pour out my spirit on every human being that wants it. Another thing that you've got to understand the anointing is a teaching going on that Jesus. John 3.16, Jesus, for God so loved the world, let's say it, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, perish. We love that. It's on your bumper stickers. It's on your face bag. It's true. But did they go around saying that? This is what's the teaching at the moment. Jesus, God so loved the world, no matter what they've done, true. Sent Jesus to die for the whole world, true. He laid down his life and rose again to save us all. True, that means we're all saved. Sounds good. It's a scriptural. It's not scriptural. It sounds good. It sounds like God. But we know the Holy Spirit says, hang on. We're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. The Bible says, he who God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that he who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world but to save it. True. Can we go to John 3.17? Sorry, I haven't told the girls this. Listen, you want me to read it? John 3.17. See, the Holy Spirit won't go outside the word of God, guys. I've been involved in meetings where people have done weird and wonderful things. You see a healing here. You see a manifestation of someone crying here, God healing them. You see someone here laughing, and they go, what's he laughing for? Because the guy was sexually abused all his life, and the lady that sat next to him said, he hasn't laughed in 40 years. And the Holy Spirit just started making him laugh. we have seen all this. And then in the same facility, we've seen demonic activity happening in the same day. And we would have thought it was all, but then the Holy Spirit saying, that's not right. There's witches in the, there was witches. There was people manifesting in the, in, the, in the anointing. It looked like God, but it was a demonic. But you don't know that until you understand who the Holy Spirit is in your world. We can get it wrong. But the anointing, because you know what happens? The devil comes in to try and destroy the anointing. The devil's knocking on your door every day trying to destroy what God's put inside you. First, he comes to steal, kill, destroy. What's he going to steal? Why did he just kill you? Why does it say steal, kill, and destroy? He steals the word out of you. He steals faith out of you. He steals that who you are in Christ out of you. He, he says you're a nobody. God never said that. And he just and he kills the faith inside you, then you end up destroyed. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but for the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You know how I saw that one day in the the spirit? God, tell me. It says here they're already condemned. He's not condemning them. He said, I don't come to condemn. You're already condemned. have we already condemned, guys? If Jesus came to set us free, he says, you're already condemned. You know how it looked like? The Lord showed me this. Picture a big industrial fan, big one, as the blowing, yeah? So if it blew here, it would touch everybody here, yeah? The wind would be blowing if it was that strong. But if someone stood in the way, it would block that, wouldn't it? Look at my stomach, it'll block it easier. <laughs> Don't agree with that. So the condemnation was from the start when Adam fell. Then God gave the Jewish people the law. They said, well, how come God picked them and we're condemned and they're not? They're condemned because the law condemns them. So they were condemned by the law. We were condemned by Adam's curse. So condemnation, and he showed me a wind of condemnation blowing. But guess who stood in the way? Jesus stood there. I don't come to condemn you. I come to save you. Put your faith and trust in me. Then you gave your life to Jesus and he just spread his wings. He spread his wings and he blocked the condemnation and that everyone on that side was set free. Hallelujah. See, you're already condemned. He's not coming to condemn you. You're condemned. Your conscience condemns yourself. Tell me who hasn't sinned here. We're already condemned going to hell. Here comes Jesus and he spreads out his arms from eternity. He went to Adam to now to now Jesus' time, future, arms spread out, heaven, the post, the cross, down to earth, heaven met earth and spread out his arms and forgave us all. If you put your faith and trust in him. But the lawyer is out there, he's forgiven everyone. Don't no need to do anything. don't need to repent. Remember what happened to that guy? Huh? Exposed my nakedness. You know what happened to him? He didn't even repent. Destroyed his life. The anointing within you. See, Jesus loves you. I should have heard an amen then. He's head over heels for you. He's interested in you more than you think. More than you think. But are we willing to lay it down? Are we willing to lay that, that nagging thing down? See, the Holy Spirit will always speak through his word and through your, to your spirit. Always. Can I say it this way? The Holy Spirit's job is to edify Christ in you. The Word of God became flesh. Now the flesh died and gave us the Word in the Spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God brings life. He's getting this? The Word of God, the Bible. Sometimes you can read it and you don't see angels flying in your house and you don't feel anointed. If you actually, I used to say, if you want to go cure for insomnia, read the Bible. Because the devil will put you to sleep straight away. The flesh will put you to sleep straight away. But the Word of God and the Spirit of God brings life. If you don't know the Word, how is He going to give you life? He loves you, but you don't know His Word. I dare anyone to go and check everything I said tonight. Let's see how many people do it. Don't find any faults, words. Why? The Word brings life. The spirit of God is what teaches us. How is he going to teach you if you don't know the word? My, my, I feel this, but what does the word say? If it's not lined up with the word, it's just you talking. It's the enemy talking. The enemy is out to get you. How does he get you? By deception. You know, you know the word fair is not in the Jewish Bible, the Jewish Torah, in the language of the Jews, I should say. There's no such thing as fair. There's no word for fair. This is fair or unfair. No such thing. In God, that's not fair. What's fair? Your perception of fair and my perception of fair and God's perception. It's not fair that Jesus went to the cross and died a miserable death. Why would it be? It's not fair. There's no such thing as fair. It's just righteousness and holiness. It's either God or the devil. It's not fair. They don't even have teenagers in their culture. You become a, a man, a boy to a man, a, a girl to a woman. None of these teenage rubbish adolescent stuff. This is from a <laughs> man to a man. Why? We, we've put all those things in. And I'm not saying, it, look, different culture, different time. But what I'm saying is where our perception is not God's perception. See, if I start to put my wisdom before God's wisdom, like, like that scripture says, it's foolishness. And I end up dead flies in my anointing i just want to encourage you tonight that the anointing in you is beautiful he wants to teach you if you give him the time john he is warning the people in his day he warned them a lot that antichrist will come and many antichrists have come antichrist means anti the anointing see in the last days it might be an anti-jesus message I'm going to tell you something now. It won't be anti-Jesus. It'll be anti-Christ. He's an anti-anointed one. He's not anti-Jesus. The old people will be walking around with crosses and crucifix and, and Bibles and all that in the last days and be deceived because he's not an anti-Jesus. He's an anti-the anointed one. He's anti-the anointing. He claims to be the anointed one in these last days. But how does he do it? Drip, drip method. If we have a Holy Spirit on the inside, guess what? We can be prone. We can inoculate ourselves from deception. I never say I'll never be deceived. Because once I say that, I'm deceived. I always say, Lord, protect me and show me in your word. I never say I'll never do this. Because Who said I'll never do that? That's not me. And then you end up doing it. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't make vows. I say, Lord, protect me. I want to see you. I want to, see, I want to know your heart, Lord. Because we can get familiar with God. We can get familiar with Bible studies. We can take things for granted. That what happens here, and I'm not talking about here, but what happens in our life, what you see, the testimonies, take it for granted. Never, ever, ever get familiar with the Word of God. Never, ever get familiar with the anointing on the inside you. Once you get familiar, you lose honour. Once you lose honour, you've lost it. I can tell you, I know brothers in the Lord that walk with me, who used to pray in tongues with me two, three hours a day, don't believe in tongues anymore. Life's a mess now, but where's the fruit of what you believe now? They got into Calvinism. They got into all this stuff. I'm not going to argue all that. But the fruit of their life is no better than what they were. They walk into a room to try and correct you. They don't come and try and love you. I've seen more love from people from a different faith than some of the believers I know. Come on, man. Are you the light and the salt? Or are you the stick that hits? Even if I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil. For he you are with me, You can say it this way now, because that's Old Testament. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are within me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Who's the comforter? He's our lover of our soul. He prepares a table in the presence of our... Why is he preparing a table before our enemies? Let's fight our enemies. No, no, I'll prepare a table. He's preparing a table because he goes, it's one. How's it one? What's the table represent? Anyone? Sorry, we're experiencing some delays here. What's the table represent? Do this. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I dwell in the house of the Lord. What's the table represent? What happened on the Lord's table? He broke bread and gave thanks. What did he do that day? He declared, I'm going to the cross. Why? Because I'm going to the cross to destroy my enemies. Who is his enemy? It wasn't you and me. It is if you don't repent. Guess who your enemy was? Satan, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, sin, death, hell, the grave. He prepared a table and then he says, I'm going to the presence of my enemies. Judas was sitting on that table. And He goes to the cross. Look at this. This is interesting. Ready? The Bible says that when he went and went into hell, guess what he did? He paraded the devil and all these, he, he did a victory march around heaven and said, he made a public spectacle. In other words, he paraded them like fools says I've won the victory now and rose from the dead. That's who he's enemies anyway. are. You, you go, we're, we're already won. We live out of a place of victory. Like some of us would live out of a place of misery. He prepares the table with the presence of my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. What have we been speaking about for the last three hours, two hours, one hour? The anointing within you. But what's blocking it? Finish off the last story, and then we'll open up the floor. But last story we need the Holy Spirit in us, we don't just need the corporate anointing. If you only feel the presence of God when you come to worship, that's awesome, but that's not right. You should be feeling me in your car, you should be feeling me in your house. For those who have kids and are married, you should have the anointing in your house. You know, you need to grow in those areas. When we got married, I got married 24 years this, this um, August. I see. I remembered. Twenty-four years this August. And if, all, if I do, if all I ever do for the next twenty-four years, every year show you a picture of my wedding photo. You say that's nice. That's nice. That like guy's lost it. All he does is shows me the wedding. But if, if the event that I got married is the only thing I talk about, and I haven't worked on my marriage, and I haven't spent time with my wife, and I haven't spent time with my kids, I don't have a marriage. It's the same with the Lord. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't spend time with Him and get to know Him and walk with Him and mature with Him, you're not going to know Him. You're not going to know His voice. If in the natural we've got to do it, how much more in the spirit? See, the anointing doesn't cover up sin, it exposes it to heal you, not to hurt you. I hope you're getting this. Because I've seen the the anointing destroy people. I've been anointed. I'm appointed. I know, man, but why do you keep lying? I'm anointed. I'm appointed. Yeah, but uh, you got three girlfriends. Like, I'm not mocking you. I'm just, I've heard that. He's just in the anointing. Where were you? In the nightclub. He reckons the Holy Spirit was there. Is my nephew here? No, I'm not going to embarrass him. <laughs> Another guy who knows my nephew. No, I won't go there. But I'm not mocking that. What I'm saying is there's a time for him. And that time with him is precious to know you. Because you know what? Once you see him, you no longer see yourself. See, if you can still see me, then you haven't seen Jesus in me. Let the Jesus in you come out. Like what Pastor Sidia said. He said, in the boat, there was a storm. And in that storm, they thought they were going to die. And these are professional fishermen. These guys have been in the seas and they're scared. And they wake him up and they say, do they say stop the storm? They say, don't you care that we're going to die? He woke up Jesus in the boat. And you know when the storms of life come, wake up the anointing within you. Wake up the Jesus within you to get through the storm. I'll finish off this story. I promise you. I Young girl, 16-year-old, a, a pastor of uh, a daughter's, the daughter of a pastor in America. True story. She hopped in the car with a friend and the young man was driving. They were going somewhere to get something. As they were driving, it was in Alabama. um, The story goes, it's a country town. And as they were driving, um, this car came up alongside them and told them to pull over and he was really aggressive and he was trying to get them off the road. So they pulled over. The man gets out and threatens them all and gets, you two girls get in my car. So he took the two girls and they, got, they jumped in his car. He was going to threaten them, kill them, or whatever he was saying. So this guy hops in the car and he drives off. As he's driving, he's cursing and crazy. The man's crazy. The girls are petrified. They're, sitting one, they're both sitting in the back seat and they're petrified. And all of a sudden, the pastor's daughter looks and sees a knife, gloves, and, and tape and rope in the front seat. She see, automatically went into panic mode. She knew this is not going to end well. She's only 16. And the guy was carrying on speeding and going crazy. Right at that point, she was about to go into fear, go into shock. What she just realized was about to happen. At that moment, the Holy Spirit fell upon her. The anointing rose, she goes, the anointing came upon me and through me. The Holy Spirit came upon me. And all I could do was start speaking in tongues as loud as I could. The guy started freaking out and started, What's she doing? What's she speaking? And the guy, her friend who was already in shock, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on her and he goes, She's speaking in the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And she starts speaking in tongues. The guy gets told to stop. And he's going crazy. He couldn't handle it. So he pulled over and kicked him out of the car and drove off. And that moment in time, guess what rose up on the inside of them? The anointing. And he came and saved their life. Who knows what would have happened? But guess what? That's our end time anointing. That's what's going to happen going forward. We need to get that unction of the Holy Spirit to know what to do in this time. Something's going to come our way, but we need to know. Lord, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to say here? And tonight, don't come up for prayer for the sake of prayer. This is what the Lord led me to do as I was driving here. Whatever's stopping the anointing in your life, I'm not talking about the gifts you got. Gifts are anointing. You can have a gift and not be anointed. You can meet people that are very gifted in, in speaking or teaching or performance but it's not anointed God anoints you I'm talking about what's stopping you from hearing from the Holy Spirit what's stopping you from being taught by the Holy Spirit, what's stopping you from receiving of the Holy Spirit is it offense is it wrong attitude, is it false doctrine, is it wrong belief, is it unforgiveness, is it hatred what is it stopping you and I really want you to understand something. When you come here, if you come here, I don't even want to pray for you. I want you to take it to God. I want you to release the anointing in your life. And I want you to be serious and real. And it's something that could be happened yesterday, maybe something I said five minutes ago, or something that happened 20, 30 years ago. What is it that's holding you back? Because God hasn't designed you to be held back. God hasn't designed you to be a victim. God hasn't made you in this earth to be uh always trying to survive or always just gravitate, just treading water. Just just get me through this again, Lord. Just, no, no, no. God's called you to be an overcomer. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says. God wants you to rise above that problem. Problems will come. That's a lie when people tell you, come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. No, it's not. Problems come, but it's going to be fine with him. I'd rather go through a problem with him than a problem without him. Come on, somebody. I'd rather be broke, busted and disgusted with him on top of the mountain with everything of the world wants to give me without Him. I've been to both. I'm not, I don't speak garbage. I, don't speak out of, I speak out of experience. And I was there in the pit where I, I couldn't pay my bills. I couldn't put petrol in my car. I was there when I lost everything. But guess what? He never left me. He was always with me. And that Holy Spirit inside me never judged me. You know what? I'd made, I can think back now and I can tell you where I was, what I did, what I said. And I thought, I knew God was telling me not to do that and I still did it. it. cost me 10 years of my life. But guess what? He was always with me. He was always with me. His heart was always beating on my heart. And when I wasn't faithful to him, I clear that up, I wasn't faithful to him. And once I said that, so I have, sometimes I haven't been faithful. He was faithful to me and everyone thought I had an affair. Typical. God forgives you. but Lebanese put scuba diving in and they dig deep to find your sin. But God's forgiven you. But when I wasn't faithful to him, he always remains faithful to me. Can we stand? What truck driver? I don't, I tried to show you a a picture of that oil from the Old Testament, how precise God wanted it because he understood the power of an anointing. Now that's oil, natural oil with fragrance and perfume. And if he says, don't touch it, it's holy. And if you use it the wrong way, I'm going to kick you out of the community. And some people used to die under the anointing. If he was that specific and that strict on the protection of the anointing naturally, shouldn't we be more precious to the whole anointing that's within us? Holy Spirit, that's us. He was so precise. He gave him instructions. That's, that's like saying line upon line and precept upon precept. Isn't that true? Line upon line. What's the Holy Spirit's job to do? Teach us line upon line, precept upon precept. God's anointed you to teach you, to know that you're his. If you read that verse, keep going. It says, Do you know the truth? Because the truth lives in you. That's not a lie. The devil's a liar. Truth is in you. The truth is that he loves you. The truth is that he wants to have a relationship with you. truth is he's not trying to find your faults he already knows them he's trying to heal you the bible says he doesn't come to condemn you he comes to save you you already stand condemned you know as a believer here today guys you're not allowed to walk in condemnation you're not allowed because condemnation means damnation it means judgment but guess what we've passed from death to life jesus already paid the price But if the Holy Spirit's not teaching you that, you're not listening. What's blocking you from hearing from Him? What's blocking you from receiving from Him? I was in a Bible study once, and and when I first started, there was eight, nine people, and most of them were over 60. I was hanging out, I was 30, hanging out with old ladies. (laughs) But I love those old ladies. You know why? They didn't care about my reputation. They didn't care about how good or bad I was. They didn't care how anointed I thought I was. They just were salt of the earth people. They may have never done half the things I've done in ministry. I guarantee you they haven't because they knew God. And the things that they taught me, I've taken around the world. They may never leave their house, but what they've taught me because they had the nature and the character of God in them. They'll so far by no means perfect. But there was one night I was talking about this revelation about the Father's love. I got this revelation of the Father's love. It broke me. I cried for three months. Every time I had a chance to think about it, I would cry because God was healing my heart about my Father. And this revelation of the Father's love. I understood Jesus as my Savior. I got, I, got, I got touched by the Holy... I had an experience of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. No one can, no one can ever take that from me. Like the Father's love was just... And when they experienced his love, he broke me in a hundred pieces in the spirit. I understood that, and I was sharing this with these wonderful women of God. And one of them just rose up out of nowhere and said, well, if God's like my father, I want nothing to do with him. I find out the woman is at least 72, 73 years old, and she still hasn't forgiven her father when she was 10 he abused us she was 10 years old. The woman was a Christian, of the Holy Spirit, did a lot of things, married with kids. But that one thing that when I said about the father, something hit her spirit and she came out and said, I want nothing to do with him. I said, why not? I was a young believer. I don't know how to minister to an older lady. So I said to her one thing, what's truth? The fact is you are abused. But what's the truth here? She looked at me with tears running down her eyes and said, he has set me free says then live in that freedom then and forgive him in that moment she got forgiven and the thing lifted off her. I wouldn't have picked it in a million years I knew then that we hide things in our heart I was a young believer I thought wow she's nearly 70 odd 75 year old she's carried that for what 60 years why would we carry filth and condemnation why would we carry disaster like that all our life And suppress it Why don't we bring it to the light And let the blood of Jesus wash it And remember that no more Why would you do that The Bible says that the Holy Spirit in you Is your comforter He's your teacher He's the spirit of truth And he'll guide you into Right Please don't come up here just for a nice feeling This is a special anointing Right here now that's coming. It's a deep calling onto the deep. It's a place that God wants us to grow in him. Because if we're no good broken. We might, be, we might look pretty together. We might feel strong together. We might get people saved together. But God's interested in the individual heart of every believer. Remember, he leaves the 99 to get the one. You know why he leaves the 99 to get the one? That represents... A sinner that's lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go another step further. There's people here that are not whole yet. 99 is short of 100. 100 in the Jewish culture is fullness. Some people aren't full yet, aren't whole here. There's people out there that haven't come in here yet. They're the ones. But we're not complete until they come home. See, you're not complete till you come home. I'm not talking about a house. I'm talking about home inside. He says, I'll make my residence with you. I abide in you like a home. But you're not whole till you let him in. You're not whole till you come home. Till you bring that to the altar and go come home. Jesus says, I'll go prepare a place for you. Why? Because when I return, you'll come with me. But you know what he did? He left and then sent us the Holy Spirit to reside in us until he's come back. You have the presence of God in you. But what's holding you back? Is it fear? Unworthiness? Unbelief? Is it sin? Is it rebellion? What is it? Because let me tell you something you'll never go any further than you are today until you deal with that. Amen. Someone agrees with me. But you'll never go any further. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are within me. But Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your lovely mercy and lovely grace. I don't want to do things for God, I want to do things with God. I don't want to be known for what he does for God. I want to be known that he knows God. You need to be known for your God. If you reflect him, do you reflect him? Is there something you need to lay on the altar? Because the floor is open. Is there something you need to let down? Because God doesn't come to hurt you, he comes to heal you. Is there something that's nagging you and you just can't get rid of it, bring it to Jesus first. Oh, I better deal with that. No, no, no. Deal with Jesus first. They didn't give you the anointing to deal with it. They didn't give you the grace to walk through this. His sweet presence is here. It's got a, an amazing presence. See, I was in a meeting once and the it's like someone someone's just sprayed perfume, but everyone's looking around. Can you smell that? And it was like God's presence walked, like Jesus walked in and his fragrance, his presence, and it was just a unique smell. It was a beautiful, sweet smell. Guys, we've done nothing yet.
1: Whatever. It's time. It's
0: time to lose your story for history. It's time to give up that story that keeps coming up and... You know, some people reminded me of some stuff that I went through many years ago and I'd forgotten it. It's not that I've forgotten it, it's just that it doesn't, it's not there anymore. Why? I've lost my story or his story. The pain's gone. memory never goes, but the pain's gone. He had to remind me of it. Why? My new creation in Christ. I don't forget where I've come from, but I'm not living there. (laughs) I'm a new creation in Christ. No longer I live, but... Christ lives in me. And the life I live today is in faith in who? The Son of God. No one here is perfect. None of us here are perfect. We're all forgiven. We need to walk in the favor and the the flavor of forgiveness. It's easy to say, I'm forgiven. I'm a child of the light. I'm under law. I'm under grace. Show me where's the fruit. 20 years this September, I've seen some of the greatest men of God fall. and I pray, not that I don't fall, I pray, Lord, that I keep my eyes on you. I've seen a- enemy take out people. It's sad. I've seen families destroyed. It's sad. But it starts with you and me. It starts with the inner man. It starts with the anointing that has come to teach you. Stop looking to man and look to God. Hallelujah, Father, I thank you. And you're doing a work on the inside of every man, woman, and child. That you love us, Father. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you, Father, for the presence that you. You never leave us nor forsake.